and welcome to week one of the NFL, the Megapod here. Matt Brown, Brad Allen, Stephen Andrus, and we could not be more excited about week one here. This is something, the first real offseason we've had in a couple of years. We do have a little bit of preseason data to go off of, a little bit of what these guys might look like as the season gets going, a little bit more normalcy. There's still going to be some weird stuff happen throughout the season. Hopefully, we'll be on top of that for you guys as well. But man, this is something I've been waiting for forever. Brad, so glad to have you back on the pod this year. And I know you have been counting down the days here for kickoff of the NFL season 2021 yeah this is this is the most prepared I feel in a few years actually you know just because you know long old summer um so I've been spent the last six weeks grafting away and uh firing some bets in so hopefully we have some useful information to share Steven, you and I have been doing some of the offseason preview stuff here. Hopefully, all the, the all of that work will actually come to fruition here. But look, futures bets don't mean anything now. This is a week-to-week game. That's what we're going to be talking about here on this podcast. So hopefully, we can translate some of that information into some winning bets for us. Man, I cannot wait. We're taping this on a Thursday. We got the Thursday night kickoff tonight between the Bucks and the Cowboys. I mean, it feels like Christmas morning, right? I mean, I, I cannot wait to talk about this entire slate of games. We've break, broken down every single aspect you can think of. We're not just talking sides and totals. We're going to talk about some props along the way. If we don't have a strong opinion on a side or a total, let's do it, man. I'm, I'm excited. So let's kick things off here with the first game of the podcast it is the cardinals at the titans as we sit right now over on bet mgm it is three in favor of the titans as we look across the board it is three across the board right now now this one has moved guys we know this um we've seen this total move the uh the line here move from two and a half to three i saw just yesterday on multiple occasions this thing bounce back down to two and a half back up to three back down to two and a half back up to three so there's been some action on this game maybe a little bit of disagreement kyler murray goes on the road to the titans Hopefully, fully, hopefully, fully healed. If we remember, Kyler Murray was putting up some serious numbers last year until he hurt that shoulder. And not only did his production goes down, but the way that this offense functioned really went down as well. He was hesitant to run because he didn't want to get hit. And if he's not using his legs, then that isn't how this offense is designed. And really, things went to hell for this Cardinals team after that. Of course, the big news for the Titans is in the offseason. They go and they bring in Julio Jones to uh, to help bolster this offense. Corey Davis is out of town, but I think that anybody would say this is probably an up, upgrade over Corey Davis, even at Julio's advanced age. They bring in Bud Dupree as well on the defensive side, Danica Autry as well to help bolster some of that defense because they know that they were having trouble as well. Steven, I know that you already have a bet made on this game What are you looking at here, Cardinals and Titans? Yeah, the bet for me is Julio Jones over 53 and a half receiving yards. And I was looking at the side and the total for this game and trying to see if there were any significant mismatches uh, on one side or the other. And what I concluded is that both of these offenses, in my opinion, have a pretty good matchup against the opposing secondaries. So I think there's going to be points in this game. Uh, But for me, when you look at what the Arizona Cardinals defense did a year ago, they were kind of sneaky good. They were were top 10 
on defense and weighted DVOA per football outsiders. And, and what did they do this offseason? They they added J.J. Watt and Zayvon Collins to bolster that front seven. But in the secondary, they lost Patrick Peterson and Dre Kirkpatrick. That was 82% of their outside cornerback snaps. So coming into this season, they didn't really upgrade that cornerback position. They have Byron Murphy on one side, who was improved but not great in his second year, went from 114 passer rating allowed as a rookie to 97 passer rating allowed in his second year in the league. And then after that, you got Robert Alford, who has not played since 2018. And in that season, he had allowed a 139 passer rating on 74 targets in Atlanta. And behind them, they have a bunch of day three picks and undrafted free agent rookies. So uh, to me, the matchup here is A.J. Brown and Julio Jones being able to take advantage of this depleted Arizona secondary. I think A.J. Brown is fine despite having a maintenance day already week one and popping up. Uh, with limited participation in practice. But I do know that Julio Jones is completely healthy and a complete mismatch against this Arizona secondary. So I feel very comfortable at 53 and a half receiving yards. His minus 115 price at most books implies a 53.5% probability. Julio has gone over 53 and a half receiving yards and 75% of the time over the last two seasons. And even last year when he was banged up a lot, I know he may not get as many targets in this offense, but he's still six of nine games last year. He went over this receiving number. So I like Julio over 53 and a half. Brad, we have an Arizona team here coming on the road. Game one, three point underdogs, a total of 51 in a half. I mean, again, good Kyler Murray and good Cliff Kingsbury and good Arizona Cardinals last year was actually a pretty interesting, interesting team. Now, you add A.J. Green to the mix, who apparently, for whatever reason, has found the time machine. If you listen to every beat reporter out there and A.J. Green looks like A.J. Green of five years ago, then you add in Rondell Moore as well to kind of take over for Larry Fitzgerald, who, by the way, was basically the last three to four seasons, a glorified tight end out there running five yard routes and going and turning around. And that's all he really added to the offense. You already have one of the very best receivers in the entire NFL and DeAndre Hopkins. What are you expecting from this Arizona Cardinals team? And do you think that the defensive upgrades that the Titans made are going to be good enough to keep them from scoring points? So I think these two teams are, are very, very similar. Like they've both got huge questions at cornerback specifically, as Stephen laid out, you know, pretty much everything, everything said about the, the, uh, the Cardinals secondary there, you could go and say about the Titans secondary, like they, they don't really have any corners you would look at and, you know, be afraid of. Um, so I think that I think they're similar teams. I think there's a couple of reasons why I like the Arizona side here. While they could be a little bit undervalued, one is one is that kind of switch in, at the midway of last season that you talked about there. Um, you know, in, in the first for, through through the first eight weeks, Cardinals were the seventh best offense in terms of EPA per play. Murray got a shoulder injury. Maybe didn't want to run so much. Some people think they got figured out that you know Bill Belichick put out the blueprint to defend them with, I think it was just a, it was basically a dime package, put a load of DBs on the field and, and play fast. But I, you know, watching Murray play, he didn't look the same in the second half. I, I think it was more the shoulder injury that, that dropped off. So I think if, if he's back to full strength, then maybe, maybe the Cardinals offense is, is undervalued. And then the other thing is the divisions they play in, like the Titans have, they've beaten up on this AFC South for a couple of years now. Whereas obviously the Cardinals in the NFC West, you know, every week they're going up against the Niners, the Rams, the Seahawks, like they're, they're going toe to toe with the elite. 
And then the last thing is obviously the loss of the Titans' offensive coordinator, Arthur Smith. Um, you know, basically rave reviews wherever you look for him, the way he used play action and, and took shots downfield, basically ran a, you know, one of the most efficient offenses in the NFL. We, we don't know much about Todd Downing, who's, who's taken over there. <laughs> like he's, he's mm. Historically, he's not been into play action in the same way. I think when he was last calling plays, he was 27th in the NFL in, in play action passes. So we, do, you know, we don't know what to expect, but there, there is a chance there is a significant drop off there. Whereas, as I say, I expect Arizona to step up. So I think with the plus three, I, I thought there was a, a small bit of uh, edge in, in the Cardinals. Yeah, you uh, you're like me. I don't have it on the card yet, but I think at the three, I might have a small play on the Cardinals this week. I do think that the addition of J.J. Watt is actually fairly significant on the defensive line for them. Uh, Here's the thing. His counting stats have been miserable the last few years because he literally has been getting double and triple teamed for that Texans team. So everyone looks and there's like, oh, this production's all falling off for for J.J. Watt. Well, you know, listen, it is one of those things where if there was another person Oh, by the way, Chandler Jones, who could actually do something with all the attention that J.J. Watt was getting, then it would be, you know, people wouldn't be worried about this whole production decline, all the things that were going on with him. I think if he's as disruptive as he was for the Texans and then Chandler Jones can take advantage of that, or if they decide, oh, we can't do this because of Chandler Jones, then I think you're going to start to see those counting stats and those things that people actually care about for whatever reason really start to to climb again for for J.J. Watt. I don't think he's completely done as long as he's actually out there on the field. Of course, health being a concern, but it's week one and we don't really care about that because he's he's healthy heading into week one. And that's one of the things I'm looking at as well. So I actually think this defense could do a little bit here to, to slow down this Titans offense. I also have a slight lean to the three on the Arizona Cardinals and might end up making my betting cart. Let's talk the Jaguars and the Texans, guys. This is an incredibly interesting matchup, mainly from the focus of it's going to be two of the worst teams in the NFL. (laughs) And how does this matchup here in week one? And when we take a look, this number has also been on the move. Whenever we take a look over here, um, this thing has bobbled back and forth between two and a half and three. And we have seen this kind of settle now at three in favor of the Jaguars on the road at the Houston Texans, who, if you've listened to any of the preseason stuff that I've done, you all well know, I think is going to be one of the worst, if not the worst team in all of the NFL and maybe historically bad for this team. And so, uh, Brad, I'm going to start with with you on this one just from, from a breakdown perspective. I mean, listen, we have a rookie in Trevor Lawrence on the road making his first start with a rookie head coach, already lost a first-round pick to injury. There's a lot of things going wrong here. Then you look at the Texans, who have basically all but said they are going to punt on this season. I mean, one of the, one of the few good players they still had left, they just traded to the Saints. They have no interest whatsoever, it seems like, in winning. And by the way, that's a proper strategy. If you're going to be bad, be the worst at being, I mean, be the best at being bad so that you can get the number one overall pick and actually have some options for the future of your friends. But um, this is going to be an interesting pick, not only from a betting standpoint. I think a lot of people in survivor pools are really confused as to what to do right now. Do I take the Jags just, you know, in a survivor pool and one of these big ones that's happening out here in Vegas? Uh, What do you see from this one as we enter Jags as a as a three point road favorite, a total of forty five and a half? 
But yeah, this is a this is a tough one to have much of a review on. Well, for me anyway, because mm-hmm. was it? I think there's 30 new players on the on the Texans roster. So like. I have no idea right. how they're going to look, to be honest. I mean, we know what we're going to get from Tyrod. It's going to be sort of conservative. It's going to be make no mistakes. He can he can run a bit. I think the Texans are going to run the ball. That's kind of the, the noises they were making, um, which, you know, that would probably cause me to look towards the under because I, I don't see how Tyrod Taylor and a sort of run first offense is going to light anyone up. Um on the other side of the ball, I'm, I'm quite high on the Jags for the for the season. Like the, the mm-hmm. offensive line is is pretty good. Like you know they've got some good players. You'd think that'd probably be about middle of the pack. The, obviously the weapons were probably the the highlight last year, and now you've got sort of a generational quarterback. Um, again, there's a, there is uncertainty there. Like how how does Urban Meyer how does he translate to the NFL? Is he going to be a Chip Kelly where? You know, he, he sort of takes the lead by storm in the first year or two because it's sort of high tempo. It's it's stuff that the league hasn't seen, and then he gets figured out because it's a bit basic. I, I don't really know. So yeah, a, a lot of questions for me, and I, I, I stayed away from betting it because of that. Yeah, same with me. This was a this was a pass for me. Uh, just so many unknowns here. I'm not even playing the Jags. I know this is going to be one of the very most popular games to play in all of the survivor pools out here. I have three entries in the in the Circa Survivor ga- uh, pool that's out here. And I'm not playing this game. I don't know really what the Texans bring to the table with, you know, basically a completely different new team. But it is a home game, first game of the year, rookie quarterback, rookie head coach. I actually think there's more value in the Jaguars and a Survivor a little bit down the line because they get to play the Texans again. So I give give me some, you know, a little bit more experience. Give me a little bit more knowledge on this Jags team. So pass for me all around, not even a contest play. But Stephen, you at least have a prop on this one. Yeah. And by the way, uh, not very often you see a Texans team with this much turnover, this much rebuild, an NFL squad that has those two things and not a single rookie in the starting lineup to start the year. I mean, if that doesn't say tank, I don't know what does. Uh, Bradley Roby traded as well uh, a week before the season starts. So they haven't outright said it, but it is they are not hiding that they are trying to tank this season. So for me, the prop that I like here, and I agree with that most everything you guys said, it's hard for me to diagnose what these teams are going to look like for all the reasons you said. The one area I am confident in that I feel like I can diagnose at this point is the Jaguars running game. Urban Meyer loves to run the ball. The injury to Travis Etienne being out for the year means I think you're going to see Another heavy workload for James Robinson. Uh, So the prop that I like is Robinson to score a touchdown at plus 100. So that's a 50% implied probability on those odds. He scored in 57% of games a year ago, despite that team having a ton of negative game script, losing 15 consecutive games. I think there's going to be chances for more positive game script this season, especially to start the year against Houston, who is tanking. And Houston last year, last in PFF rushing defense grade, 29th in football outsiders rush D DVOA. And Houston, six of their front seven on D has a below average rush D grade per PFF. So the Jags return all five offensive linemen, the interior of of that line, all graded no worse than 21st at their position. So combine that with now the much more expected volume with Etienne out for James Robinson. Uh, And I don't think when you get close to the goal line, you give an, an unproven, a, I know he's a veteran, but a less reliable Carlos Hyde, those high 
those those high leverage touches and those valuable touches. I think it will be James Robinson in close. So at, at plus 100 plus money, I'm OK with that. I'm going to take James Robinson to score a touchdown in this game. Let's talk about a game that we all three have interest in. We all three have some sort of angle. We all three have some sort of play. It is the Vikings and the Bengals as we sit right now. And this is another interesting one that I actually saw some movement happening along the way. We are sitting the Vikings across the board as three-point favorites in this one, which I think is a little bit interesting here that this number came off that three and a half that we were seeing a little bit earlier in the week. So three across the board, a total of 47 or 47 and a half, depending on where you look at it. Um, Brad, I'm going to start things off with you here. Um, This is a Joe Burrow-led Bengals team that is at home against the Vikings. That being said, Burrow hasn't hasn't played in a real game in a very long time. Only saw very minimal action in the preseason as it was anyway. They spent their first round pick on Jamar Chase, which I still think is going to be a home run in the NFL down the line, but he's got the dropsies right now. And there's a guy that, you know, that sat out the 2020 season. He opted out, as everybody remembers, so he hadn't seem real game time game speed game getting hit all of that stuff in in a long time and so it might take him a little while to get going as well the Vikings big move bring in Patrick Peterson on the defensive side of the ball how much does he have left in the tank is he as good as we believe that he still could be that's going to be one of the big questions and of course the looming thing over this Vikings team all year long and something that we'll have to talk about here on this pod week in and week out is the fact that their quarterback and Kirk Cousins unvaccinated so uh, his status for the for the team each and every week could still be up in the air Brad what do you think about Vikings and Bengals terrible last year obviously got Burrow killed projected to be the 30th best offensive line in the NFL by PFF this year going up against like a sort of refurbished Vikings D-line so you know the the Vikings defense last year was the worst it's been under Zimmer you know historically he puts together sort of top five defenses Um, but they're bringing back Donnell Hunter bringing Michael Pierce Sheldon Richardson they've got Eric Kendricks back in the middle there they upgraded the secondary as you said you know they brought in Patrick Peterson Bashar Breeland Mackenzie Alexander basically Mike Zimmer just said I'm, I'm not having a bad defense again I'll, we're investing in it um, and you know I would, I would expect them to be kind of a top eight top six unit as as we would expect out of them and especially that that pass rush Hunter and those big D tackles I just went through you know Sheldon Richardson and so I think they're just going to be in Burrow's face he you know, he's, he's mobile-ish, but he's also going to be in there taking properly live bullets for the first time since he since he tore that ACL. Um, you know, the, the camp reports improved. Obviously, initially, he, he did sound like he was very rusty, but it sounds like he got better. But, you know, it's very different from wearing your red jersey in practice to having the Vikings mm-hmm. trying, to, trying to rip your head off. Um, and then the other side of the ball is basically the, the Vikings receivers. We all know about Thielen and Jefferson, probably the best duo in the NFL. And the Bengals secondary, already one of the worst last year. And then missing key players uh, for week one, probably Trey Waynes is missing. So they're down to like their fourth and fifth string corners. Um, so I, I can just see... I can just see Cousins throwing all over them. And then once they're ahead, they'll, they'll probably switch to uh, to the run game and just grind it out. And it's not like the Bengals are good at stopping that either. So, yeah, I think the Vikings minus three is, is a good play. 
Steven, this is a game that I know that uh, you are on as well from a betting angle. I have a different angle on this one, but all three of us on this game. What do you have for the Vikings and Bengals? Yeah, I like the Vikings to cover that three. Uh, if it goes back to three and a half, I, I'd be less interested. Um, I have a bet on the under 48. That's sitting at 47 and a half right now. I'm still okay with that. Um, let, let's start with when the Vikings have the ball. And Brad mentioned Trey Wayne's being out. So that means that the corners for week one are going to be Chidobi Awuze of Cowboys infamy a year ago and Eli Apple uh, Eli Apple, 118.8 passer rating allowed a year ago. Awuze, 130. Both of these guys for their careers allowing 100 plus passer ratings. Uh, Awuze, what, what a Bengals signing, right? Like when, when you need help in the secondary, who do you go get? Let's go get a guy from the Cowboys 2020 secondary. What a, what a sharp <laughs> move that was, by the way. Uh, so I think they can take advantage of that in the passing game for the, for the Vikings offense. And then when the Bengals have the ball, I think this is a great example when you're looking at week one in sports betting where you can't just look at what a side of the ball did a year ago without further context. I mean, the, the the Vikings a year ago were dead last in pressure rate, but they were decimated by injuries. They had guys opt out. What does it look like now in week one? I mean, there is a laundry list of moves and guys coming back that the Vikings have on the defensive side of the ball that should make this a very different situation for them generating pressure going into this year. Daniil Hunter was second in the NFL in pressures and fifth in sacks in 2019. He missed last season. Linebackers Anthony Barr and Eric Kendricks are back. Kendricks was, was the number one graded Overall linebacker by PFF in 2019. He missed a combined 19 games as well. Uh, in addition, Minnesota, they're bringing back Michael Pierce. He opted out last season from COVID. They had Dalvin Tomlinson. Sheldon Richardson is back on this front. So to just if you're going to blindly look at what the, the Vikings defense did a year ago, I think that would be a huge mistake based on the influx of talent that they now have in this front seven. So um, that's that's a big reason I like the the Vikings to cover this number if it stays at three. And then from the under standpoint, that pressure being able to get in Burrow's face, I don't think he's going to be very mobile in the pocket his first game coming back from an ACL. Combine that with the fact that both of these teams were in the bottom half of the league in pace a year ago, not only in overall pace, but also when they were in situation neutral, when they were ahead, when they were behind, both of these offenses were bottom half of the league in pace. So I think that lends as well to a possible under in this one. I am on this one as well, just from a different standpoint. Like I mentioned, I am in the uh, big survivor pool here in Vegas. I am going for the $6 million first prize that is uh, the, the, for the last person standing. And the Vikings are going to be my play here for week one. Um, I think that they are not going to be an incredibly popular play. So I'm hoping that I gain a little bit of leverage. As I said, this, um, th this Bengals team, I think, will give people fits maybe more closer to the middle of the season whenever like you, uh, Brad, as you mentioned, like, you know, Burrow as good as he is. And I think he's going to be, you know, a really, really good NFL quarterback seeing real fire coming his way for the first time in a long time is going to be, it's just going to be tough. It's going to be different. And yeah. this defense didn't get, uh, this defense didn't get good enough for the first game of the year to be able to hold off a Vikings team that, 
listen, should be fairly polished. I mean, as far as the weapons go, it's returning the same quarterback, the same backfield and your two star wide receivers. They should be able to move the ball at will, however they kind of want to here. So for me, it's going to be my contest play. And so I might be out of this thing in week one because I'm putting all three entries on the, on the, on the Vikings to win this game outright here. So I could be out in week one. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I could be out in week one of this thing. So that's, Matt, uh, that's other, how. One last note here that mm-hmm. we didn't mention. It's not just Joe Burrow coming back from an ACL in this game. The Bengals starting center, Trey Hopkins, tore his ACL very late in the season a year ago. He's coming back on a quick turnaround as well. So it's the, it's the exchange completely for the Bengals that are going to have to deal with this front coming off ACLs. Let's talk the Seahawks and the Colts. This is a game that Brad has a play in. This is a game that Matt has a play in. This is a game that Steven has a play in. And guess what? We are oppo. We are heads up on this thing, Steven. So let's kick things off with you, my friend. You are on this one and you and I are going head to head this week. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm, I'm looking at this one and I got to be honest with you, I don't feel great about it. Like, let, let's recap what this line has done since it opened in the summer. Uh, out in Vegas, the books opened this at uh, Colts minus three to start the offseason. Then Carson Wentz had a foot injury. Quentin Nelson had a foot injury. Then that line shifted completely when they thought he might be out. So now we are looking at uh, the Colts at plus three at that point. And then Carson Wentz comes back early and Quentin Nelson looks like he's going to be coming back early. So the reasons that line shifted six points are no longer there. That's when I I locked in Colts plus two and a half. But I got to be honest with you, man. I, I think Carson Wentz sucks. I'm not a believer that him being reunited with Frank Reich's going to make a huge difference. This was more just a number play for me. And, and just, you know, from a 30,000 foot view here, when I'm looking at NFL and numbers, if a line shifts six points from where it opened and I can get that number when the factors for why it shifted six points are no longer there. In this case, the guys that were injured are in fact going to play. I locked in that number, but I don't feel great about it. Just so you know, it was more of a number play for me. Um, It's hard for me to bet Russell bet against Russell Wilson against Carson Wentz, but here we are. Yeah. So for me, it was, uh, it was, Fairly easy for me. I took the two and a half in favor of the Seattle Seahawks. This total's now gotten up to 49 and a half on this thing. Uh, I took Seattle here. I'm not actually all that high on the Seahawks. I think this team actually has one of the widest range of outcomes of any of the teams this whole season, because I think if you really, if you really break down this roster, it's not all that great. And then if, if Russell Wilson doesn't just be put on that Superman cape and actually lead this team to will this team to wins, if you will, um, I don't think they're going to do all that great. So I think there's a pretty wide range of outcomes for this team. That being said, I am as low on the Colts as a, as a t- as a person could possibly be. And with the news here that Eric Fisher has been extremely limited coming off this Achilles injury for him. So he's been extremely limited in practice. They don't really know how effective he's going to be. Quentin Nelson now is dealing with not just a foot injury, but a back injury. So now he's dealing with another thing that's going on. And as you uh, very well stated, Stephen, I think Carson Wentz is terrible. Like, I don't think he's a very good quarterback. And so give me all of those things combined and let me get less than a field goal. I understand it's an opening game on the road. That being said, 
There are, as far as experience goes, Russell Wilson at quarterback, I'm as comfortable with in a road game opener as just about anybody out there. So long as they don't go back to this ridiculously conservative offense where it's run, run, pass, run, run, pass, run, run, pass, and the defensive coordinator doesn't have to even get creative because they know exactly what play is going to be called, then I think the Seahawks team actually has a pretty big day here against this Colts team. Again, a Colts team that, if you look, pretty mild in the free agency market as well. Yeah, they did draft a defensive end and quitty pay with their first-round pick, but these these first-round pass rushers don't necessarily always get off in in year one, kind of year two, year year three type things, or when we really see the the big production from those guys. And so, uh, for me, Really do like this Seattle side here and uh, feel pretty good about this bet. Brad, I know you have one in this game, this as, well. game as well. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I basically agree entirely with you. Like, I'm not too high on the Seahawks. I mean, I think the weakness of the Seahawks is the corners at the minute. Like They traded away basically their three best corners, yeah. which seems strange to me. And even recently they were trading them away. Um, so I think the defensive front will be good and the weaknesses at the corners. I don't necessarily think Carson Wentz and this Colts team is the man to make them pay for that here. So that I mean that's one to bear in mind for maybe week two or week three if 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 someone can protect. Um, but I I I agree that the Seahawks offense may be overrated. Like they were definitely figured out somewhat in the second half of last year, weren't they? Like play cover two, sort of mm-hmm. keep Wilson in the pocket and make him sort of dump it off for six yards and make him do that twelve times in a row and he couldn't do it basically he wore you you know he didn't do it very well and that that was the Rams blueprint for beating them you know a, a couple of times last season and I think the Colts are probably like the perfect the perfect team to play cover two rally and tackle and make you do that 12 times is is the Indianapolis Colts that's literally what the defense is built for so I can see you know I can see them not scoring sort of not not going ballistic um, especially with again we don't know what the strategy will be like Pete Carroll was in the off season going we want to we need to run the ball more <laughs> um, so we don't know whether he's going to impose that obviously the offensive coordinator Shane Waldron comes from the Rams it's, it's, it's you know it's about play action it's about tempo and stuff so that I think that's probably why we've seen this total tick up because of the Seahawks no corners and because of that tempo um, but I'm, I'm kind of happy to go against that because as I say there is a chance they just run the ball and B I, I think the Colts can keep them in check and then the other side of the ball Wentz terrible uh, um, 40, 41st out of 42 quarterbacks in completion percentage over expectation. So, you know, that, that means he had open receivers, just didn't hit them. Um, and then the Colts offensive line, as you say, you know, they, they lost Costanzo last year, their left tackle to retirement. Um, brought in Eric Fisher. He, I, the last I checked, he looked like he wasn't going to play. So they're down to a third string left tackle um, against the strength of this Seahawks, which is the pass rush. So, yeah, I don't really see the Colts moving the ball that well either. So, um, you know, with this ticking up to 49 and a half, uh, yeah, I thought that was a, a good underplay. Let's talk the Steelers and the Bills. Now, this is one of those games that is very intriguing. Um, this is a Steelers team that we know started off the started off last season on fire. 
prop bets start getting put out by the sports books? Will the Steelers go undefeated? Is this going to be the team that we watch march all the way to the Super Bowl? And then we found out, oh boy, that is not what happened at all. We remember they start 11 and 0. They lose five of their last six games. And not only did they lose five of the last six games, when it was all said and done, we realized that this was actually the second easiest schedule in the entire NFL that they played this past year. And they still lost five of the last six games. Matt Canada takes over as offensive coordinator there. They're trying to get some things uh, figured out and situated. Now, Marquise Pouncey did retire, so he is not going to be one of the mainstays on that offensive line, is no longer going to be there. If you look at these one-score game uh, metrics here, now, doesn't really always tell the story here because sometimes teams can just backdoor into a one-score game and all that. But if you care about that type of stuff, they were 7-2 and two in one-score games as well. So maybe there's a little bit of regression on that end. People were jumping up and down about their them deciding to use their first-round pick on Najee Harris, a running back, whenever we've seen that this is you know a running back position that has been devalued a ton over the last five or six years in the NFL. That said, the Steelers were 30th DVOA running the ball last year, so they thought that this was going to be something they could help them do, which, again, something that this team has traditionally wanted to do, which is run the ball effectively. Now, they lost Mike Hilton and Steven Nelson, cornerbacks. They lost Alejandro Villanueva on the offensive line as well. And, of course, they lost Bud Dupree on the defensive side of the ball as well. They do get back Devin Bush from injury, but Bud Dupree, again, one of the better uh, pass-rushing guys out there in the NFL. So Brad, I know you have a play on this one and it is not on the Steelers. It is on the team that is one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl in the Bills. Uh yes, and so you know, you again, you talked about the, the I think the defense was overrated last year because they you know, they faced just an absolute joke of a schedule. It was it was backup quarterbacks galore. And then when they did face proper teams and especially ones who could protect um, then they just weren't that good because uh, you look at the secondary now and again this is another team that's traded away corners and there's like, there's not really much there on paper you know Cameron Sutton the right corner Joe Hayden is is probably the you know the mainstay and they're going to be relying on him but he's he's on the wrong side of 30 um, so as you say the, the pass rush got worse the secondary isn't very good and the you know probably the, one of the worst teams you want to play if you don't have a deep secondary is the Bills because they will go four wide and they, they are deep at receiver and they will just throw it 75% all day. They're happy to do that. We saw that last year. Um, so I'm pretty confident the Bills are going to move up and down the ball, the field. Then the other side of the ball, um, I, I, I just think, A, Roethlisberger is gone at the game. You know, he, he didn't throw deep at all last year. He was trying to get, he was basically the quickest to release it in the NFL. Just two seconds, dump it off to his receivers and, basically try and let them move the ball rather than make a play himself. Um, and then the offensive line, they're going to be starting rookies at left tackle, a rookie at centre, and uh, it's going to be berserk in Buffalo, you would assume, after a couple of years off. You know, be, they'll all be through the tables <laughs> by 9am. Yeah. And uh, by game time, it's, it's going to be loud. You know, these are, these are going to be key parts of the offensive line. You probably haven't played with the crowd ever. Um, you've got an immobile quarterback who won't throw the ball downfield and a brand new offense. So I could see it going quite badly and uh, getting quite ugly. 
Yeah, I don't have a play on this one. That said, that's not to say I won't by the time it's all said and done. I, I like the Bills a pretty good amount here in this thing. Um, haven't pulled the trigger quite yet at six and a half. Uh, the total of 48 and a half is also a little bit interesting to me. Um I think that the Bills might score a lot of points in this game, to be perfectly honest with you. And uh, I think there might be a little bit of garbage opportunity for the Steelers. So uh, while I while I typically would be leaning to unders here in week one, I do wonder if uh, the Bills don't just come out and put 30 something points on the board here in this thing. And if that's the case, the Steelers are probably good for at least 17 garbage points at some point throughout the game. Steven, I know you don't have a play on this one either, but just some quick thoughts on, on Steelers and Bills. Yeah, I don't think you can say I don't think you can you know be hyperbolic too much about the value of continuity for this Bills offense. I mean, they're not just having Josh Allen who was amazing last year, but Brian Dable stays who in my opinion is the best offensive coordinator in the league and then you look at their offense, they literally brought everybody back and I think maybe upgraded their wide receiver two spot to Emmanuel Sanders from uh John Brown a year ago. So um, to me, I think that that continuity is really important, especially in week one. So I, I do agree with you. I think this this offense um, comes out cooking. I initially wondered if this spread was too high, given that last year's game uh, closed with the, the Bills uh, only being a two point favorite in this game uh, towards the end of the year. But I, I agree with you guys that I think that number was more about just the Steelers record and in retrospect, they played a very soft schedule. So uh, they won that game by double digits, the bills a year ago towards the end of the year. And I think based on everything you guys said, this number is correct. Um, And if you want to bet the bills, I would go get it now because I think there is a chance that it gets up to seven or seven and a half, and then you're going to be in a tougher spot. So six and a half, I think is a fair number and, and get it now. If you do like the bills. 49ers and the Lions. And let me tell you, two different bets uh, here made one from me, one from Brad. This is a 49ers team that had one of the worst injury situations in recent NFL memory last year. It was a team that not only on the offensive side of the ball was decimated, but the defensive side of the ball as well. They just had the worst luck you could possibly imagine. Now they come back healthy they come back with a new piece to the offense and Trey Lance now that being said uh does look like he's dealing with a little bit of finger issues so it doesn't look like he's going to be much of a factor in this one but certainly could run a couple of uh, trick plays here and there uh Lions on the other side of the ball are going to be one of the worst teams in the entire NFL they traded away Matthew Stafford for Jared Goff uh there's no real playmakers at the receiver position either there are no real superstars on either side of the ball and they have a coach that is talking about eating kneecaps or whatever and stuff like that so I mean these are this is what the Lions and Lions fans are going to be dealing with throughout the course of the season in this one. I'll just go ahead and kick things off for me. This 49ers team has aspirations of being in the mix, if not in the mix for the NFC, but in the mix for the Super Bowl as well. They think that this team is talented enough to do that. If you look on paper on both sides of the ball, they should have enough talent to at least be contenders, at least be there towards the end of all this, so long as they don't have that type of injury luck that they had last year as well. I really do think that the smart decision was to go with Garoppolo early to bank these early wins, to bank these teams that you're supposed to be beating 
on a week to week basis. And, um, you know, getting this first win against the Lions, I also believe is one of them. Now, Mike McDaniel takes over as offensive coordinator here. D'Amico Ryans takes over as defensive coordinator. So we do have new coordinators. So that is something we're going to have to be dealing with a little bit. But we know that Shanahan's really running that offense as it is. Anyway, um, they bring in center Alex Mack, which can only help, though. He's on the wrong side of, of 30 when it comes to your career and all that. But again, one of the better centers perennially in the NFL uh, year in and year out. They also drafted another offensive guard with their second round pick as well. They added Trey Sermon at the running back position in the third round, who I think is actually going to end up making a pretty decent impact over the course of the season. This is one of my favorite teaser legs of the week. If you don't know what a teaser is, you're able to manipulate the line by six points. Typically, we're trying to take a seven and a half, an eight or an eight and a half down through the key number of seven and through the key number of three or take an underdog of a point and a half, two points or two and a half points up through the field goal and the touchdown as underdogs. So those are the typical kind of basic strategy type things here for that. San Francisco favored by seven and a half in this one. I'm taking it down to a point and a half. I'm pairing it up with a game that we'll talk about a little bit later in the Rams, uh, really, really love this leg, getting this thing under a field goal. So feel really, really, really confident and good about that one. If the 49ers lose this game to the first, this first game of the season to the Lions, then this season is going off of the rails as it is anyway. Brad, I know you also have a bet on the 49ers and Lions. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I broadly agree that I think the 49ers are legitimate Super Bowl contenders. You know, they're, they're banged up. Like, like you wouldn't believe last year, but they, you know, the roster is elite. The coaching is elite. Um, and yeah, if they stay healthy, I think they'll be there at the end. Um, but the, the, I went with the under here. Um, and it, it, it basically, it wasn't a huge play, but it was basically on how the Lions want to play. Um, you know, that I was listening to yeah. a beat, beat reporter, I think maybe from The Athletic, and he was he was saying about training camp preseason, he was he was saying, you know, they want to kind of run a throwback offense, which is run, 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 and the occasional shot play. And he said, but there's no shot plays. Like he, said, he said they're literally right. not throwing deep. So it's, it's run, 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 right? Now, the strength of this team was meant to be the offensive line. They drafted Penne Sewell in the first round. They flipped him over to right tackle. And the reports are that he, he's not playing well at all. That, you know, A, didn't play football for a, a year last year. B, he was a, he was a lifelong left tackle. And he's, he's, he's really struggling to make the switch. Well, now you've got Joey Bosa in your face. So good luck with that. Um, and it's not like Jared Goff is, is famous for doing anything at all under pressure. I mean, I think the drop-off from him is going to be monumental this year. You know, I think it might look a lot like his, his rookie season in 2016 before McVay got hold of him when he was probably like a bottom two quarterback in the NFL. So, yeah, I, I, I could see the Lions scoring literally 10, 7 points, you know. Right. Um, and then the, the 49ers, I think if they get, if they get the lead, they're... They, they don't want Jimmy Garoppolo throwing all over it. You know, you, you think about it, they're, they're happy to run the ball, just grind the game out. That's kind of what Shanahan wants to do is, is pound you into dust. So uh, yeah, I'm quite looking forward to this, this Lions team that banging on about eating kneecaps all season, just getting <laughs> ground into dust by, you know, a far superior roster and a far superior coach. Steven, this isn't one that you have a play on, but I know that you are a 49ers fan, that um, that this was you know a team that I think that you and I broadly agree on, that with the roster, the way it's constructed, could definitely be a contender so long as injury luck goes their way here. And I think that 
I, I don't think there's any way to deny that this uh, Lions team is going to be one of the worst in the NFL. I think it'll be kind of a tank off between them and the Texans at some point in the season. Like who can lose in the most <laughs> uh, in the best way here? Because they also know Jared Goff is not the future at quarterback for them. They're they're going to move on from him as soon as they can. So they're also going to be looking to draft the quarterback of the future for 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 them in the draft. So um, I, again, I'm I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't shy away from playing the 49ers, even with the spread. I think this thing could get out of hand, but with with what Steven says, I mean, with what Brad says, it does make a lot of sense that maybe there is a, a tiny bit of backdoor consideration from the lions because the 49ers are more than comfortable running the ball a million times in a game. We saw that several different times over the course of the last few seasons. If the run game is working, they will run the ball. They do not care. Like they're not one of these teams that come in and feel like they have to do something just because that's the way that the NFL works these days and so they'll run the ball if the run game is working so wasn't comfortable laying the seven and a half but I'll take uh, I'll take this in a teaser leg down um what do you think about the 49ers here no I like your teaser leg play there I think it's great strategy uh our senior writer Mo Nawara has five teaser leg options up at the lines.com right now and and this side is one of those that he recommended and on top of your best practices in terms of teasing points on those key spread numbers when the when the total is low, the points you buy are even more valuable as well. And this has a low total in this game, uh, sitting at around 45, 45 and a half right now. So I think that only increases the best practices of making the 49ers a teaser leg here. So I, it wouldn't surprise me if six to eight weeks into the season, we could actually have a debate on whether the Lions are actually worse than the Texans because the Lions are actually trying <laughs> to win games and the right. Texans are not. Chargers and the Washington football team. This is a game that all three of us have no interest in here. No plays from anyone. Uh, But we'll just give some quick thoughts here. Uh, Brad, I'll start with you. Look, this number has just ping-ponged back and forth between one over the last 24 hours, uh, like anything I've ever seen. I literally watched in a half-hour in a half-hour segment last year, uh, last night, this the Chargers become one-point favorites and one-point underdogs 19 times. So there were people who were sitting there just ping-ponging this number back and forth over and over and over and over again. I mean, we could see this all the way up to kickoff, I imagine, anyway. So um, one point right now is the consensus in favor of the football team, but you can find the Chargers also out there as we sit right now as one-point favorites, 44.5-45 the total here. Yes, yeah, just two good teams. Two teams I, you yeah. know, I like to get to sort of ten wins or so. Like I, I think the the football team is just very solid all round. They they up, upgraded the back end of the defense, um, which you know obviously they've already got one of the elite pass rushes. So so they should be good there. And then Fitzpatrick, I you know he was I thought he was elite at Miami, and I thought he was hard done by because he was sort of he was like sixth in QBR when they they took him out the took him out the team. So. He gets rid of the ball quick and he gets rid of the ball deep and they've got great weapons. So I think they'll be great. And then the Chargers, obviously, Brandon Staley seems to be the next, you know, the next Sean McVay is spoken very highly of by everyone that meets him. Seems to be copying a lot of the McVay stuff, like keeping everyone out of, of preseason um, and doing smart stuff on defense. And so you, you would expect them to be improved on defense given Staley in there and the schemes he will implement, which is basically just don't get beaten deep. <laughs> don't give up any explosive plays that's what that's what they do and then they they invested in the offensive line as well so i just think they're two very good teams and you know whoever loses maybe there'll be a, a team to back in week two 
Yeah, Stephen, for me, it's one of those where I, I, I'm very intrigued to watch this game. I'm going to sit back and watch this one. I, I can't wait to see what, what's going on here. I mean, listen, there's just a lot of unknowns. It's kind of one of the games, like one of the games we were talking about earlier in the Jags and the Texans, right? I mean, it's year two for Herbert. Is he going to take that year two leap or is he going to be, you know, a regression candidate like we saw with Daniel Jones? Is this uh, is this Washington football uh, football team offense going to going to work at all with Fitzpatrick at quarterback? Curtis Samuel came up lame yesterday at practice, so he might not play in this one. There's just a lot of a lot of things here for me to just sit back and digest. And with the spread being sitting at toggling back and forth at one, I'll be a spectator here for this one. Yeah, I was breaking down both sides of the ball, getting ready for this podcast. I just saw a lot of strength on strength. I saw yeah. a lot of good on good on both sides of the ball. And I had a hard time coming up with a conclusion on the side here. Uh, I probably won't play it, but gun to my head, if I needed a lean in this game, I'd maybe look to the over. The The total's fairly low given the reputation of these defenses at 44 and a half, but we know what kind of weapons both offenses have and combine that with the fact that both of these teams were in the, the top 10 in pace last year offensively. Um, and and the, the concern I have there is that the Chargers have a new coaching staff, so they may not play as fast as they did a year ago, but Washington brings everybody back. So maybe it's a team total play for Washington, but Washington, not only top 10 in pace, Overall, last year, uh, when they trailed by seven plus, they were top 10. When the game was within six points, they were a top half of the league. Uh, and in the second half, they still played top 10 in pace as well. So maybe a lean there. But overall, this is just a fun game that I'm going to be looking forward to watch of two good teams. And the only play I have right now is a long shot futures. Took a shot on this one. It's maybe a little crazy, but. You can get 30 to 1 at BetMGM on Washington to go 6 and 0 in the NFC East. And the reason I like it is the way their schedule sets up. They have the Giants week 2 on a short week on a Thursday night. The Giants have to come to them. And then they don't play the rest of their division schedule to the last 5 weeks of the season. So if there is any type of slow start here for Washington, they're going to have a lot of time to get it together before they play the rest of that division schedule. So just a fun little 30 to one long shot, maybe to consider. The New York football jets and the Carolina Panthers. This is a uh, game that me and Steven both have a play on here. That being said, one of the things we're not going to do on this podcast is talk about the number we got it at and then just move on from there. And so we're going to give context to what we believe um, the value is by the time that you're actually watching this video or listening to this podcast. And so I both, both Steven and I have a bet on the over in this Jets Panthers game. Now, that being said, the number we got it at at 43 is long gone. If you look across the industry right now, it's 44, 44 and a half. Um, and that's pretty much what you're going to get in this Jets and Carolina Panthers game. I'll give you the reasoning behind why I did it. And, and then Steven, you can let me know what you think about betting it at 44 or 44 and a half. But this Jets team, I honestly was a little bit surprised. I understand preseason is preseason, but you can kind of tell when there might be something there. And I think Zach Wilson's actually going to have, look, he's going to have his rookie mistake games for sure. But I think there's going to be games where we sit back and go, man, this guy is, this guy can play. And I, this, this team's going to score some points. And they add Corey Davis, they add Keelan Cole, they go out and they, they, they draft Elijah Moore as well. So the, there's playmakers around for this offense 
for him to to have some success here. I mean, look, it looks like they're going to start at least the year with Tevin Coleman at, at running back, but they have other options there as well, including draft pick and Michael Carter that everyone seems to think is the heir apparent to go ahead and take over in the backfield there. But this is a Jets team that I think the offense is going to be a little bit more competent than people think. And I think the defense is going to be every bit as atrocious as people think. This is going to be, I think, a bottom five unit, if not a bottom three unit in all of the NFL. And I think that just screams over here, at least until they adjust these totals on this Jets team. And so uh, I think the Panthers will be able to do just enough on the offense to to help me get over this uh, total of 43. But, Stephen, we've lost that number. It's sitting at 44, 44 and a half. What do you think now that it's ticked up a point and a half? Would you still play the over given what we were the reasoning behind why we were doing it in the first place? Yeah, I'm OK with playing it up to 44 and a half. I think 45 is where I would stop. Um, mm-hmm. I think uh, maybe the. The reason I was attracted to this more than anything was because of the Panthers offense against the Jets defense more so than the Jets offense against the Panthers defense, although I think it's still a plus on both sides for those offenses. But the Panthers side is what attracted to me, attracted me most to this. So if it ticks up any more, I might be looking just at a Panthers team total over in that situation. And on that side of the ball, I mean, the, the Jets were bottom three in coverage grade a year ago. They're likely starting cornerbacks for week one. Bryce Hall, Wide receivers caught 75% of passes targeted at Hall a year ago. He allowed 103.6 passer rating. And then right now, the Jets' depth chart for their second cornerback spot has three rookies listed who were drafted in the fifth round, sixth round, and an undrafted rookie. They're still figuring out who they're going to start there, but regardless – that's a problem, um, unless it's some shocking development where a day three rookie has an amazing week one. He's going up against the receiving core of Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore. Terrace Marshall has looked like an athletic weapon in the preseason. Maybe him in the slot now. And then you mix in Christian McCaffrey in the passing game as well. You know, I think Sam Darnold free of Adam Gase this year is, is you're going to see a lot with him being paired with Joe Brady. I think this team's going to score a lot of points in week one. Brad, what do you think about this one? And do you agree with us that that this maybe this Jets team is a, is an overlook, at least until they adjust these totals a little bit more? And what do you think about the outlook for this uh, this Panthers team here in year two of Matt Rule and Joe Brady? Yeah, I, I like the over as well. I think the weakness of the Carolina offense is this offensive line, but the Jets roster is such that they're not going to be able to take advantage of it you know the, the Jets went out they, they tried to try to sign a pass rush and everyone's just got injured um, you know Carl Lawson was probably the big one so as you said they've got no one at cornerback and they've got no one at pass rush and the Carolina have got have got the weapons I think um, to take advantage of it you know it's, it's going to be a Darnold is, is going to be about getting out quickly and letting those weapons go to work um, and I think they will have success doing that and um, then the Jets yeah I mean the quarterback I think he, he was saying in training camp like, he, he's not afraid to just let it fly he's not afraid to take risks and throw it downfield the offensive line is is possibly upgraded you know they've got first round pick um, at centre or left guard they've, they've got Mikai Becton at left tackle um, and, and they've got receivers so yeah I think I think there's not there's not much defence uh, out there and there's you know there's enough weapons that to go over a relatively low total. 
And one one final thing here about them just being an over team, at least uh, I feel like towards the beginning of the season is, you know, these gunslinger quarterbacks, not only will they be big plays, but they'll also be big mistakes. And hey, pick sixes yeah. and and strip sacks and all that, everything like that, that all benefits an over. That all is good for me, good for an over, good for things like that. So a guy trying to do too much sometimes also works in our favor. Eagles and the Falcons. We have two different bets on this one. Brad has a bet. Steven has a bet. Brad, Eagles on the money line, my friend. Let's hear the let's hear this. Eagles on the money line. They are three-point underdogs on the road to start the season at the Falcons. Um, this was my, this was my favorite bet of the of the week, I think. Like I think there's there's huge mismatches on both lines basically like the the, the falcons um the falcons offensive line is bad um let me just get pfs projections for it uh 24th in the nfl and then they're injured as well uh, they're, they're basically mm-hmm. down to a, a third string left guard um and so he's going to be going up against the absolute strength of the eagles defense you know brandon graham fletcher cox but he's, they, they, they are going to be in Matt Ryan's face. I, I don't think they can protect him. And then the other side of the ball, the Eagles' offensive line last year like, was one of the most injured in, in the league. Um, the, a league worst, 57 adjusted games lost along the offensive line. But they were still pretty good. They were still 11th in ESPN's pass block win rate. And they were made to look a lot worse by Carson Wentz just holding onto the ball, essentially, um, which is why they look bad. So they get basically fully healthy you know they are veterans we don't know how long they're going to last but you know this is like a this is like a top five offensive line and the, the Falcons pass rush is is Grady Jarrett and absolutely nothing else and then they also have no they've got no secondary um, you know they, they haven't had a secondary for like three years and they've just done nothing they, they've signed like three different sort of bargain bins um, like corners for like a million dollars each but none of them project to be even sort of an average starter. Um, so I, I just think the, the Eagles are going to bully them on, on both sides of the ball. Um, and I, I don't think they should be underdogs, to be honest. Steven, you also have a bet in this one of the prop bet variety. This Falcons team led in 13 of 16 games last year. They led at halftime in nine games last year, and they only won four of the games that they led in halftime. In the last 30 years, only six teams have blown more halftime leads than the Falcons did last year. It was just a historically crazy uh, run of ineptitude for this Falcons team. That said, you are looking at Calvin Ridley in this game. Yeah, I think quite possibly the only place where the Falcons could have um, a positive mismatch in their favor is Calvin Ridley against the Eagles cornerbacks. So now we'll see whether or not Matt Ryan has enough time to throw it because everything Mm -hmm. Brad just said about the mismatches in the trenches on both sides of the ball is completely true. And the Eagles should have a pass funnel defense in this game. The Falcons offense was 29th in weighted rush DVOA and they're facing an Eagles D that was 13th in weighted rush DVOA a year ago. So we should see more passing with a a run game that's going to struggle for the Falcons. So the bet for me is Ridley over 82 and a half receiving yards. Most books have it at 85 and a half. I'm still okay with that number. In the nine games last year where Julio Jones 
played less than 50% of snaps or just didn't play at all. Ridley went over 85 and a half yards six times. So that's 67% of the time, better than the implied probability of the juice you're going to get on his over number in this game. And overall last year in Every game, Ridley went over that number in eight of 14 games he started. That's 57% of the time. That's right on on par with the juice that you have to pay in this one. And given the matchup, I, I like taking this over. So, I mean, Ridley had a ton of games last year where he smashed that number. He had games where he had 120 yards, 130 yards. So, um, I think given his talent and his usage, he should have double-digit targets easy in this game. And the, the the number one cornerback that could be shadowing him, Darius Slay, I think his, his best days are behind him. He has declined significantly since being in Detroit. 115.6 passer rating allowed last year. I think you can actually make the argument that the other cornerback that the Eagles brought in, Steven Nelson, is better at this point than Darius Slay. The Browns and the Chiefs, for my money, the game of the week. Hopefully um, it lives up to the billing here. I am super, super bullish on the Browns this year. And so I am wondering, you know, how this game one plays out as they go on the road to the Chiefs as depending on what book you get it at and where you get it at as either five and a half or six point favorites it is six at BetMGM, five and a half at uh, a couple of the other big books out there a total sitting at 54 and a half I mean if you look at this Browns team I don't really even need to try and give you what you saw last year because it's almost an entirely new defense uh, that, we're, that we're looking at from this Brown squad. They brought in safety John Johnson, a guy that if you don't know is one of the better safeties in all the league. They brought in corner Troy Hill. They brought in uh, Jadavian Clowney. They brought in Terrence Mitchell. They brought in Tack McKinley for depth on the defensive line. They brought in Malik Jackson at defensive tackle. They drafted Greg Newsom in the first round at corner. They drafted a linebacker with their second overall pick they went and they did what they needed to do and oh yeah they get back greedy williams and they get back grant delpit who didn't play all year last year as well because of injury so this is a completely new look browns defense that you're going to be seeing on the field this year and on the offensive side of the ball oh yeah a little guy named odell beckham will be back for them as well. The Chiefs are the Chiefs are the Chiefs. I don't need to tell you what the Chiefs are and what they're all about. If anything, they're going to be just as good as we've seen in years past. They go out, they knew what their weakness was, which was that offensive line, and they go out and they just bought a whole new offensive line. And so as long as they have cohesiveness, as long as they can gel, as long as they are, you know, not not kind of trying to figure things out here in week one, you would think that that's going to be a, a really, really big strength for them on top of the fact of having the best quarterback that maybe we've ever seen. I'm going to sit back and watch this one. I will say this. I am tempted if Chiefs money does come in late. I do want to at least throw this out there. If Chiefs money comes in late and this thing happens to touch a touchdown, if I can get the Browns plus seven, if I can get the Browns plus a touchdown, I will be I will go ahead and pull the trigger at that point. I will go ahead and play the Browns should this thing get up to uh it, it hit six and a half a couple of different times and it didn't stay there and it came back down. I think the Chiefs are public enough. I think the Chiefs are going to draw a decent amount of money from the casual better out there. I just don't know if it'll be enough to get it to the full touchdown. But if it does, it will be a play on the Browns for me. Steven, you have a play on this one and you're looking at a total instead. 
Yeah, I'm going to take the under 54 and a half in this one. And I say that with acknowledging that I might be playing with fire, trying to play an under in a Kansas City Chiefs game. But I expect Cleveland's game plan in this one to play as slow as humanly possible to try and keep Patrick Mahomes on the sidelines. And I think they have a chance to exploit a matchup in that regard. Uh, Kansas City was 31st on defense last year in weighted rush DVOA. Uh, That gets lost a little bit in the raw numbers considering how often teams had to play catch up against Kansas City. But against the rush, they were not very good. And Cleveland's offense was seventh in that weighted rush DVOA uh, and was first in run blocking grade at at PFF. That offensive line is just a juggernaut for Cleveland. So uh, combine that with you look at what Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb did against Kansas City. Uh, Last year in the postseason, they both averaged more than five yards per carry in that game. Uh, I think that they are going to play slow. And if you look at the overall pace numbers that Cleveland had a year ago, they were 27th in overall pace in situation neutral situations. They were uh, 21st. They were in, in games that were within six points on either side. They were 29th in pace. So I think the game plan is pretty clear for them that they're going to try in the first half to keep this close, play slow, rely on their their amazing running game and offensive line. And I think that's going to hopefully limit possessions here to, to cash this under. Brad, you don't have a bet on this one, but I imagine you are going to be watching very intently with uh, with the rest of the world because a couple of teams, one that we know is going to be good in the Chiefs and one in the Browns that everybody seems to think is going to have a, a chance to take a massive step forward this year. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm with you, Matt. I think the Browns defense could be like one of the most improved units, you know, anywhere. But does it gel week one? And does it gel week one against Andy Reid, who's, you know, historically he's been a wizard A, early in the season. Um, I think Andy Reid is he's 11 and 2 against the spread in September since 2017, which, you know, I know people go, oh, trends, trends, trends. But he's also, he's like 70% against the spread after a bye week as well. So to me, it's if you give him extra time to cook up his brand new schemes, you know, he's going to cook up some good stuff for you. So if you're, if there's a lot of new pieces on that defense um, and probably their weakest at linebacker and, you know, they will, they they will, they will trick those linebackers with RPOs and play action and stuff. So though I do like the Browns long term, I you know I can see them giving up some points here. Um, and then the other side of the ball, I thought it was interesting. Obviously, the big thing for the Chiefs is the new offensive line, four or five new starters. But the the, the offensive line is a bit like a defense where a key part of it is communication. You know, you know it's passing off that ru- that rusher to him and, you know, who, who's picking out which blitzer. So, again, they, they could be good long-term, but not that good in week one if the Browns chuck a few blitzes at them. So, a bit of uncertainty, which is why I didn't do anything. Um, would lean the Browns side and would lean the under. Yeah, because of the way Cleveland will play, as, uh, as Stephen laid out. So, yeah, there are my thoughts. Packers and the Saints, a game that we do not have any plays on whatsoever. Just a quick kind of rundown here. Of course, the big offseason news and Aaron Rodgers is going to be back for the Packers and Jameis Winston won the starting job for the Saints. The reason I am uh, no no play for me here because it's just a bunch of wonkiness, right? Like not only do we not really know what this Saints team is going to look like, Michael Thomas on the sideline uh, to start the season on IR, Jameis Winston taking over, you know, the first 
time. Drew Brees hasn't been the the starting guy in you know 15 years. But also, this game gets moved out of town. They're playing in Jacksonville. They're not playing in a dome anymore because of all of the being relocated because of the hurricane that just came through New Orleans. So it's uh I'm gonna sit back. I'll watch. I'm not very interested in any sort of anything on this one, guys. Um, looking at the Packers as four four and a half point favorites, depending on where you look. Brad, um, quick thoughts on this one, but again, I know that none of us have a play here. Uh, yeah, no bet. I mean, I think New Orleans is telling you they're worried about their cornerbacks by the way they're trying to hire or trying to trying to trade for cornerbacks, mm-hmm. which is probably not ideal against Aaron Rodgers and, and the various people he can throw at you. Um, and then the Packers defense, another one I think could be very good this year. You know, they're they're basically elite pass rushers and then got a very good secondary. Um, so I don't really see anyone on the Saints who can. Uh, who's going to be able to get open, basically. You know, it's Marquez mm. Callaway, basically, and I, I just don't see him being able to get open. Um, so I would say the Saints are going to run the ball a lot. So a, a potential angle, possibly the first half under, um, if you know if they are going to try and play that way. Um, and the, the heat is obviously you know another concerning thing, which another variable, so a reason I haven't bet anything. Uh, Steven, no bet for you either. Um, do, is there a lean at all, any way, shape, or form, or is this just a complete and total pass for you? I might think about it if the Packers get steamed up here by the public closer to pick, kick off to take the Saints and the points. But I, I, for all the reasons you guys have discussed with yeah. the hurricane situation, with the Saints roster, um, with with Aaron Rodgers uh, being able to possibly exploit that situation, but. You know, I will say that the the Packers also are down two offensive linemen. They lost Lindsley to the Chargers and Bakhtiari, I think, is going to miss at least six weeks. So yeah. that Saints defensive line could be a potential issue. So just too many unknowns, too many questions to to sort out for me on this one. Same, same for me. I'm just I'll sit back and I'll just uh, I'll just enjoy. Broncos and the Giants, the Broncos quarterback battle won by Teddy Bridgewater. Of course, they have a ton of offensive weapons. Get back Cortland Sutton to go along with Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, Noah Fant, all the different playmakers that they have there. And also on the defensive side of the ball should be pretty darn good as well. The Giants, on the other hand, uh, will Daniel Jones actually step up and be a good quarterback in the NFL? This is pretty much the make or break season for him. And there are a lot of people think it is going to be the break season for him. That said, if you kind of look on paper, there are some decent, there's a decent amount of talent on both sides of the ball for this Giants team, which is why we are only seeing the Broncos as three point favorites in this one. A total very, very low sitting at 41 and a half now brad you got a better number at 42 and a half what do you think about the current number there are at least a couple of 42s still available so i think the key matchup here is the giants offensive line the worst offensive line in the league you know pff ranks them that way brandon thorne offensive line expert ranks them that way they are terrible and they're going up against um obviously von miller uh, Bradley Chubb and then the Broncos secondary again they, they go four deep with now like elite corners um, two very very good safeties so you know you've got that pass rush up front with an offensive line who can't protect and a quarterback who's very prone to fumbling um, so th- yes yeah, so I don't see the Giants scoring many points so possibly the best way is just to go Giants team total under 
Um, the other side of the ball, I do quite like the Giants' defense. You know, they were they mm-hmm. kind of play the Rams' way, where they basically don't get beaten deep. Um, you know, they they play some deep zone. They upgraded the secondary as well. They don't have great pass rushes, so. You know, I, I, I'm basically. I think these two, those two units, will play to par, which is why I, I prefer to focus on the uh, on the Giants team total under. Yeah, uh, no play for you like me here, Stephen. But I mean, uh, you know, look, I think both of us agree that that Teddy Bridgewater brings a little bit of stability um, to to the Broncos offense. That being said, it is a road game to start the year, a Giants defense that I think could be sneaky good this year as well. I'm going to sit back and see what Bridgewater looks like under quarter and under center for this Broncos team. And uh, I'm going to see if Daniel Jones is. Daniel Jones from his rookie season that showed an incredible amount of promise or Daniel Jones from season two that it, everybody was like, get this guy the hell off the field. Yeah. As far as Titty Bridgewater goes, I, I did want to share just a, a fun stat. Benny Frado in Vegas shared this and listen, I hate trends, but I just wanted to share a fun stat on Teddy as a starter. He's 35 and 14 against the spread and 21 and three against the spread on the road. Now this is a, a guy who's played on several different situations and coaching staff. So, uh, I will at least say that I think Teddy Bridgewater brings stability to that offense more so than Drew Locke would have. So I think that helps the situation uh, for the Broncos offense to maybe cover this. I was more interested at two and a half potentially for the Broncos. It's up to three now. Um, to me, if if anything, this is potentially a teaser leg where you take the Giants and tease it up to uh, past the three and past the seven and the eight. Uh, right now you can get it up to nine. I think it's you tease it from three to nine. So uh, that gets even more value because we have a low total in this game as well. But uh, when you have, listen, I've, I've been around NFL players throughout my career. Most of them will never say anything negative about the team, um, especially early in the season. And when Kenny Galladay comes out and is already saying, listen, our offense might start slow. I mean, that's a red flag to me. And combine that with... Uh, just the the idiot that is Jason Garrett at offensive coordinator. I really don't have much of an interest in betting on the New York Giants at this stage. Dolphins and the Patriots. Um, this is an interesting one as well. We've seen this one toggle back and forth between two and a half and three, two and a half and three, two and a half and three. We sit right now where it looks like it could be on the way to three and a half. Actually, um, the the Patriots at at BetMGM three point favorites juiced minus 120 right now um dolphins uh you're getting even money on them at bet mgm a total of 43 uh brad you and i don't have a bet on this one i mean listen Tua tagovailoa the jury is kind of still out on him once we got the advanced statistics back from you know pro football focus and the next gen stuff and all the things like that at the end of the year we found out that he had the least amount of window to throw to his his wide receiver one and his tight end of any quarterback in the nfl so they just weren't creating any sort of separation any sort of space for him so maybe that had a little bit to do with some stuff but then you also look and see this dolphins defense had incredible luck and incredible scoring luck as well to where they were able to not only you know score a ton on the defensive side of the ball but at least get the offense in very very short field situations which of course is not predictive and certainly we think something that will regress over the course of this season as well and then we have the the big news where they 
tell Cam Newton to to take a hike. They're going to go with Mac Jones there in New England. And honestly, for a rookie quarterback, Brad, I think this is one of the better situations that one guy that a guy could possibly step into with as much as they invested on the offensive and defensive side of the ball and then just having Bill Belichick as your coach. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was surprised to see Cam Newton go because uh, if nothing else, I thought he made sense in week one because, you know, the, mm-hmm. the way to attack this Dolphins defense is on the ground. They, they've got one of the best secondaries in the league, but they're a little bit lightweight um, and they like to throw blitzes at you so they can be run on, which is what the Patriots did on them week one last year, I think it was. So I, th- I thought they would play Cam, um, but I'm, I'm, I'm guessing the game plan is not going to change too much. It's not like they're going to come out and ask Matt Jones to sling it around. It's, I, would, I would assume it would be run heavy and then go after these Dolphins with the two tight ends they signed, which again is, is probably a good way to attack the Dolphins because they are strong at corner uh, rather than linebacker. I think, again, there's there's another mismatch on the other side of the ball, the Dolphins' offensive line. Um, 29th in Pro Football Focus's um, offensive line rankings and, you know, sort of seen as a, a bottom five unit among 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 the sharp guys, among the, among the trench experts. And then, as you said, Matt, the, the amount of money reinvested into this Patriots defence, you know, that they were talentless last year. They were awful at linebacker everywhere, but... So those, you know, those guys have come back. Carl Van Noy is back in there. Hightower back in a, a linebacker. They paid some money to Matt Judon, who's a you know he's a very good pass rusher. Um, and obviously Belichick is you know he's the the defensive master. So I just don't really see the Dolphins protecting that well. Um, and so I'll, I'll probably like the under because as I said, I think the Patriots will run the ball. I think they will be all over Tua in in his in his front pocket all day. And obviously that. That Patriots crowd is is going to be a bit nuts. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think the under is worth a look. Yeah, I, that is actually the only thing that I have considered and might still end up pulling the trigger on um, forty three and a half as we sit right now on that one. And it is it is it was a pretty good lean to me that I just didn't quite get on. But as you mentioned, I mean Judon Van Noy, Godshaw, Jalen Mills, the, the Henry Anderson. I mean, like there's there are tons of guys they draft Christian Barmore with their second round pick. I mean, there there's there is a lot that uh they did on the defensive side of the ball. And then again, a couple of safety vet blankets there in Hunter Henry and J- Johnu Smith from a for a rookie quarterback, I think is a pretty good uh situation to step into. Steven you are, in fact, on the Patriot side here. You got it at a better number. You got it at the two and a half. And like I said, this thing was ping ponging back and forth for the longest time. Now it looks like people are agreeing with you because it looks like this thing could be on the move to three and a half even. Uh, what did you like about the Patriots when you made the bet? I see this game very similarly to the way Brad saw the Falcons Eagles game. I think there is a complete mismatch in the trenches here. I think the Patriots offensive line has a huge advantage against the Miami front seven. And I think that the Miami offensive line is at a huge disadvantage to the Patriots front seven. So uh, I also look at, this is a, a carbon copy of the week one game a year ago, Dolphins at Patriots. We had that same situation. Now the Patriots had a you know a huge track record of success. They didn't have that season that they just had to, to bake that in. Uh, but they opened the, or they closed that week one game a year ago as seven point favorites at home against the Dolphins. So now they're at two and a half. And I would argue that this Patriots roster 
is night and day better than it was for that week one game a year ago. And I would argue that the Miami Dolphins offensive situation, despite the fact that they had some wide receiver upgrades, their quarterback situation, I think, is an even bigger question mark now going into this season than it was with the stability of of Ryan Fitzpatrick a year ago. So uh, combine all those things, I think two and a half, three is just a wrong number. I would be okay playing it at three to get the potential push equity there. I would shy away if it gets the three and a half, but um, but that's kind of where I'm at. I think in the trenches, this is a, a really plus matchup for the Patriots. Yeah, definite lean to the Patriots, definite lean to the under for me. Not in the account quite yet, but that's uh, that could happen. That, that could happen on both, both of those, actually. Let's head to Sunday Night Football, the Bears and the Rams. This is a play for me and for Brad. And um, for me, I, I kind of teased this a little bit earlier in the, oh, look what I did, a play on words there. I kind of teased this a little earlier in the show as a teaser leg. Yes, it is. I'm pairing this uh, Rams team up with the 49ers from earlier. You take both of these seven and a half point favorites. You bring them down to one and a half point favorites. I can tell you this. Both of these teams have Super Bowl aspirations, but the Rams really have Super Bowl aspirations. They go out and trade for Matthew Stafford because they think they can win now. They do not want to waste Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey and Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, like all these guys that are in their prime right now. They don't want to waste these guys. So they go out and they make this move to bring in Matthew Stafford. The Bears are going to go with Andy Dalton. I actually think this is the right move, though he is by far the worst quarterback. But I don't think you want to throw your rookie quarterback to the Wolves here in the first three weeks of the season. Two of their first three games on the Bears side are at the Rams and at the Browns. Again, two what I consider to be two of the five best defenses in the NFL. And I think, you know, you see Justin Fields probably week four. But this is going to be Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton ain't beating this Rams team. That is not happening. Aaron, that offensive line, did you see them in the preseason? This offensive line is atrocious. Aaron Donald, they are going to have to triple team him. The other guys are going to be able to moonwalk into the backfield and get sacked and pressures on this team. Andy Dalton is going to have multiple turnovers in this game as well. I think the Rams win huge. That being said, I am able to tease this thing down with another game with a team that I think is going to win huge as well. So give me the Rams in a teaser leg down to a point and a half. And honestly, if I had to play this thing one way or the other, I would go ahead and just play them seven and a half as well. I think this could be a massive, massive, huge win for this Rams team. I think this Bears franchise as a whole is completely lost and they have completely lost their way. While I like the Justin Fields pick, everything else they have done has been completely head scratching and mind numbing. And uh, I think this team is, is, is in for a really, really rough season. Brad, I know you have a play here, but you're looking at the total. Yeah, again, we kind of see it similarly, just coming at it from a slightly different angle. Mm. Um, and again, it's just a terrible offensive line. So, uh, I've not done this deliberately, but I seem to have bet against all five bottom offensive lines by PFF. <laughs> but they, they've got the Bears at 28, and that was when they um, when they had Tevin Jenkins scheduled to play in there. So, you know, th- they were terrible last year, like like a bottom eight offensive line last year. Then they lost both tackles, drafted a second rounder to go in at left tackle. He got injured. So now they're going with uh, the old Eagles chap. What's his name? He's like 42. Oh, yeah, Peters. Eagles, Eagles left tackle. Yeah, Jason Peters, yeah. Oh, so my God, he's kind he didn't of, retire yet? yet? No, so he did retire. Wow. He's just coming off the street, and he's yeah. going to be stuck in there at left tackle against 
as uh, as Matt says, you know, Aaron Donald, it doesn't really matter who's there. Lennon Floyd's a good pass rusher, but I just think Aaron Donald wrecks this game. And Dalton, historically, has been bad under pressure. You know, he's not someone that can escape that well or, or conjure up much. Um, so, yeah, I agree. It's going to be a wreckage on that side of the ball. With the with the Rams, I, I think I do think I see the Rams as a Super Bowl contender. I just think Stafford is such a, an elite talent compared to Goff, and obviously McVeigh had, had had the Rams as a, a top ten offense for years, even with with Goff, who's terrible, and now he's he's got just so much more arm talent. Um, for Week One, I, I would say the I would say that the Rams' offense offensive line is probably their weakness. You know, it's probably middle of the pack, and that's perhaps mm-hmm. where the Bears have a chance with with Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks healthy, um, which is why I probably prefer the under on the game. And this this is another one that's been bet up recently, so I'm kind of happy to fade that. Um, and I would say just just macro view, uh, you, you know, as I, I must have said, I bet about five or six unders here. We, we, we've seen that in college football where unders are hitting at like a 66% rate. And I, I kind of had that, I had the idea before before college football kicked off that the return of crowds would favour the, the defences and, and probably training camp favours the defences. You know, if we're talking about communication right, and, right. and passing off you know runners and stuff um, and then the crowd you know just just like the left tackle I think it was Bakhtiari was saying rather than look at his man if there's a crowd and he can't hear the snap he now has to look at the ball so he's A he's a, he's a half second slower off the line and B he's not actually looking at the man he's trying to block so um, yeah I just think it is a, a big advantage for the defence as, as well as just being more revved up you know it's pretty hard to get fully mental to, to rush the passer if there's just an empty stadium so yeah, I, I like. I feel like you could just parlay five unders, and I think you've probably got a positive EV bet. But um, yeah, I, I like the under here. Steven, not a play for you in this one. Uh, quick thoughts on just this uh, Bears as they head over to to the Rams here on Sunday Night Football. No, I share your thoughts that this is the ideal teaser leg along with the 49ers. I'm going to be playing that teaser as well just to – you know, get both of those heavy favorites at minus one and a half. Uh, I do think that there's a chance that both of these lines go higher. We've already seen the 49ers at a couple spots get up to eight already. Uh, so if you're going to play that teaser leg, I would do it before Sunday. Um, so that that's where I'm at here. I, I concur with everything you guys said about this matchup. Good luck, Andy Dalton. Monday night football, Ravens at the Raiders. None of us have a bet in pocket yet. Of course, we have a little bit of extra time because this gives us an extra day all the way into the evening uh, with the Ravens and the Raiders. We're sitting right now, Raiders about uh, four, four and a half point home underdogs to this Ravens team. Uh, My quick thoughts on this and the reason I have not played this and probably won't is while I think the Ravens are a better team, I I have some serious questions about them heading into this game. I mean, this receiving core and this backfield, I mean, already without Dobbins, now Justice Hill goes down. They have to sign Le'Veon Bell off the street uh, with Gus Edwards, who's going to have to lead the way. Of course, really, the lead runner is going to be Lamar Jackson probably at this point. But are they going to be able to throw the ball? Yeah, you got Mark Andrews who's one of the elite tight ends in the league. And I, I fully agree that he is going to probably be able to get his. But 
This wide receiving core is beat up. I mean, they go and they draft Rashad Bateman. He's going to start on the IR. Then you have Hollywood Brown, who missed all of training camp with a hamstring injury and then declared himself perfectly fine. Like, you don't just have a hamstring injury as a wide receiver and then all of a sudden you're perfectly fine. That's just not how this works. I mean, and so he's not going to be 100%. And there's always, we've seen this time and time again with these receivers with these hamstring injuries. These things flare up all the time whenever these guys get in the game. And so uh, Miles Boykin's already out as well. I mean, there, there's some serious concerns for, for this team from a wide receiver standpoint. Your answer is going to be Sammy Watkins. Well, good luck with that. So I just couldn't pull the trigger here on that. And honestly, if this thing goes wacky and somehow this thing moves, if I can get a six on the Raiders and we have a long time between now and when this game kicks off and we have a long time for the people who bet favorites to bet the favorites. If there's some way for me to see a six on this Raiders team, I think I would pull the trigger then at that point. Um, I think it would be a way, way, way out of whack with the with the iteration of the Ravens that are going to be taking the field in that game. Um, uh Steven, I know you were not necessarily had a bet here, but at least it's interesting to you as to what they're going to do in the backfield with with the Ravens. Yeah, and right now, Le'Veon Bell's on the practice squad. So if he does get promoted to the active roster, this might make me change my mind a little bit. But um, I I like Gus Edwards a lot. I think he's a talented back. I think the Ravens agree with that based on giving him $5 million per year over the next couple of years. And they did that when J.K. Dobbins was still healthy. And our senior writer at the lines, Mo Nawara, points out this is a huge mismatch in the rushing game for the Ravens. Uh, the Raiders last year on defense were 28th in DVOA against the run. So, and the Ravens, as we know, are one of the most efficient rushing attacks, not only in the NFL, but in NFL history. So um, the problem is the books are already aware of that. It's it's baked into the, the prop numbers for Gus Edwards right now. So I don't like paying the juice on his yardage overs because they're already inflated. Uh, but I think you can still get a touchdown prop on him. And I think once they get towards the goal line, it was him last year in a crowded backfield and a less crowded backfield right now. It should be him again. And you can get around even money right now on him to score a touchdown. It's a, you know, a little less. I think it's minus 111 at BetMGM right now. But I do agree, though. I think the stronger play for me in this game will be the Mark Andrews receiving props. And the receptions are too juiced right now. I mean, his over five and a half is juiced to minus 135. I never like laying that kind of juice. Uh, it's actually over four and a half minus 135, but I still don't like laying that juice. I'd rather play the, uh, the minus 115 price on over 55 and a half receiving yards for Mark Andrews. I think this is a similar situation in a different way. And what I mean by that is last year, towards the end of the year, the Ravens lost their other tight ends and that led to increased target volume for Mark Andrews. Now they don't have that issue going into this year, but as you guys mentioned, they are down wide receivers going into this year. So the target tree has shrunk for Lamar Jackson. Mark Andrews should be his primary target. And from week 10 on last year, you take out a meeting, a week 17 game there where he only played 56% of the snaps from week 10 to week 16, Mark Andrews went over this number every single time. So when he's getting the volume, he's a very good tight end and an efficient tight end. And I don't think he has much competition for targets in week one. 
Brad, the Raiders did invest at least in, on the defensive side of the ball in free agency, bringing Yannick Ngakwe, Jonathan Hankins, Solomon Thomas, Quentin Jefferson. Then they took a safety with their second round pick, a linebacker with their third round pick, another safety with their third round pick. So uh, listen, I know we joke about the Raiders and their draft and stuff like that. They at least tried and they tried in free agency as well in this one. I know you don't have a play, but overall thoughts here for the Monday night game, Ravens and Raiders sit in about four, four and a half right now. Uh, well, again, I quite like the total to go under. Um, you, I mean, mm-hmm. you've laid out Ravens, the, the passing game isn't what it was or, you know, isn't what it could be, isn't what, it, isn't what they hoped it would be. You know, the offensive line, a bit of a question with Ronnie Stanley coming back after a year off from that injury last year. Uh, the Raiders maybe improved defensively. They're probably not going to be like the bottom five unit they were. And then the Raiders' offensive line, also a question. They lost three starters. Uh, PFF's got them graded 24th projected offensive line this season. And the Ravens' defense, I think, is going to be very, very good, just given the depth of the corners again. Like, who, who's going to separate? Because you can you can right. probably stick one of those big corners on Darren Waller, and then it's, what, it's Henry, Henry Ruggs doing wind sprints and maybe not very good <laughs> protection. So I, I, I do think the unders are quite nice look at 50 and a half yeah actually that's a that is i'm gonna have to dig into that a little bit further i didn't even notice how high that that total was at 50 and a half there so certainly something i'll look at as well Bet basketball, baseball, or hockey with a risk-free bet up to $600 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code THELINES and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. Get the BetMGM app today and use promo code THELINES to make a risk-free bet up to $600. This is a new customer offer. Paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call one 800 522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. And 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa and Tennessee. Call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. Guys, we have all the written breakdowns of these games also over at the lines. We also have uh, several different unique articles, as uh, Stephen mentioned, teaser articles, the line movements articles, things like that, where you can keep track of all this stuff throughout the course of the day. And if you aren't, if you aren't, uh, if you aren't subscribed to the YouTube channel, all of this will be broken down into video form as well. So head over there and go ahead and subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. Boys, it is week one. I'm feeling very pumped about this. I'm super excited. And uh, we will we will hopefully make some money throughout the course of the season. For Brad, for Steven, I'm Matt. Talk to you guys next week. 